welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. We get a chance to up our conversation game today as we are joined by speech-language pathologist Melissa Minnie, founder of Raising Little Talkers. Melissa, it is great to have you. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be here. So, Melissa, let's dive right in. I got a first question for you here. How is reading aloud to a child different than just talking to them? So... The answer to this question sort of depends on a child's age, but for really little ones, like not yet verbal babies or those just learning to talk, which is my specialty, the repetitiveness of simple stories are really helpful um, to help them learn the meaning of new words and encourage early word attempts. Uh, And also having just positive interactions with books really sets the stage for literacy skills to develop when they're a little bit older. And then... Another big one is that it connects the spoken and written word. So my three-year-old is just starting to grasp that I'm actually reading words on a page and not just making up a story as I go. Like she'll be covering the words and I'll be like, you got to move your hand because I'm, I'm reading the, the words, you know? Um, and then she's like, oh, she doesn't, she didn't really make that connection before. So that's a really important connection for when kids start to spell that words are actually speech written down. And, um, also introduces new vocabulary that you may not use when you're conversing. And then lastly, it introduces story elements. So even before a child can really tell a story themselves, they're learning about setting, characters and their feelings, problem and solution, conclusion. And that helps with conversational storytelling, understanding um, books that they're reading, and then eventually when they're older, sort of digesting expository texts, which are like nonfiction informational texts that we see in school. Oh man, that's a, that's such a lot a of benefits. Answer. No, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, you've, you've almost uh, pretty much answered the next question I was going to ask, but do you have any tips about reading aloud to a child who's especially struggling to build language skills beyond doubling down on kind of the repetition and, and things like that? Is there something you would do differently? I do. So, well, so um, for a, a baby or toddler who's struggling to build their vocabulary, like I just said, and, and you repeated, the repetitiveness is really important. So I can just give an example of that. So once a child knows a story really well, they can predict what will happen next and can easily fill in the blank when you leave out a word. A word. So think about like the very hungry caterpillar, but he was still hungry, right? And they can fill in that word. So helping your children um, also draw the connection between the story and their own personal life is really helpful. So, you know, wow, I'm feeling hungry for lunch, just like the caterpillar, or, oh, I have a tummy ache, just like the caterpillar did. Um, That can really help with comprehending a story. Um, For older children with language challenges, it really depends on what the issue is, but you don't really want to limit them to repetitive books because we do want to expand their vocabulary and don't want just the same words over and over again. Um, So connecting new vocabulary for them to their personal life would sound a little different if you can have more of a conversation. Like, let's say the word is wonder. You could explain, oh, you know, wonder means to think about something that you don't know the answer to. And then you guys could talk about some things that you wonder about, ask them what they wonder about. Um, Asking different questions throughout the story can help with critical thinking skills as well. 
Um, and then also asking, you know, before you turn a page, you could say, you know, what do you think the character is going to do next? Or why did the character do X? Because that can get them thinking about the story in a different way and sort of taking on the perspectives of different characters in the story um, can encourage perspective taking, which is really important for social skills and just for understanding and comprehending stories as well. Um, and then inferencing is another uh, thing you can encourage for children with language is issues. So prompting your child to use different clues in the pictures or in the story that comes up and sort of think about what might happen next. So like, you know, how do we know that so-and-so is feeling sad? Is his face giving us a clue about how he might feel? And sort of just talking about that stuff out loud um, as you go through the story. Cool. Um, given your background in speech therapy, is there a particular children's book that you would recommend or, or even um, a book that you find is kind of underrated or that more people should know about? Yeah, so this is not an underrated book. I think everyone knows this book and loves it, but I love it so much, uh, which is just either of the where spot lift the flat books. Um because they're so versatile, you can work on so many things. You can read it different ways. Um, and especially with younger kids, I don't even recommend like reading the story as it is. You can just, um, you know, talk about the pictures or simplify it a little bit. But in that book specifically, I love working on yes, no questions. Is spot in here? No. Is spot in here? No. And you could just go through the book that way until the end. Um, WH questions, where is spot? Who's in here? Naming animals, animal sounds, waving hi and bye to the different animals, and even prepositions like in and under, depending on where the animal is hiding. So you can just get like a lot of mileage out of those books. So they're one of my favorites. Perfect. On the other side of things, is there anything from the world of children's books that drives you especially crazy or that you find maybe not irritating, but particularly weird? Uh, yeah. So a book that drives me crazy is The Giving Tree. But I will say that I love that book. I grew up reading it and I've always loved it. But now that I'm a mother and reading it to my own children, <laughs> I'm just like a little ticked off that this motherly figure of the tree pretty much just completely erases herself for the happiness of this boy who I'm interpreting to be like a son type figure. I feel a little defensive, like, hey, mothers are supposed to set healthy boundaries and not put their children's needs like 100% before their own. I don't even know if I'm interpreting that correctly, no. but that's like what jumps to my mind when I read this book. I feel like no. I have to like give a disclaimer to my kids <laughs> when I read it. No, I, and I will say when we, when we did an episode on the giving and I was oh, looking up, I, when, when, when I was looking up sort of articles and and just like comment board sections, that is not an uncommon reaction. So oh, wow. you're, you're in good company. I'll have to sure. listen to your episode about it. <laughs> Please do. And uh, <laughs> would you? Uh, thanks so much for for joining us. Would you mind closing us out with uh, the last few lines of "Good Night Moon"? Of course. Good night, nobody. Good night, mush. And good night to the old lady whispering, "Hush." Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our other content at 1001goodnights.com and help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.